Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content, you can subscribe to this podcast. And most of the time you can just do it from your phone, from iTunes, click subscribe and write a review. This really helps us continue this path and this journey. And we love doing it so much. And again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Let us know what you thought. Thanks for listening. One cup of tea is all it's going to take to completely transform your perception of what premium tea should be. For those of you who are tea lovers like me, I'm so excited to announce my partnership with Rishi Tea for this amazing giveaway. Rishi Tea is going to give away an entire matcha essentials kit. All you have to do is go on Instagram, tag me, Rishi Tea, and the hashtag radically loved Rishi for your chance to win an entire matcha essentials tea set which those of you that know me know that this is like the ultimate gift so for those of you that are interested go on instagram now snap a picture of what your tea ritual looks like and get ready to experience the best tea you've ever tried in your life Rishi tea is my ultimate favorite i cannot wait to share this experience with you Jessie Golden is a devoted mother, model, Hatha yoga teacher, holistic health practitioner, and creator of The Golden Secrets. She's used her multifaceted career as a platform to inspire and empower people all over the world. And I was fortunate enough to get her on this podcast to talk about her latest book, The Golden Secrets to Optimal Health. She is such an incredible person. She's beautiful inside and out. And we had the best time at my house drinking tea and talking about all the things that inspire her and everything that's important in her life. We talked about parenting. We talked about her journey. We talked about the process of this book and just basically the words of wisdom that she lives by. I'm so excited to share this podcast with you all. Thank you all so much for listening. I can't wait to hear what you thought. I mean, a lot. I, you know what is really interesting with my son is we could, like, we're very similar, but we could not be more different. And just allowing him to be him is really, my mom always allowed me to be me. I was a weird kid, like wore weird clothes and. How did you, where did you, where are you from? Where did you I grow up? I grew up in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. 
But my mom never questioned me like, uh, oh, that's weird. Like she never, you know, and I didn't realize that till I was older, but I think that's why I had such a strong sense of who I was and like an inner confidence because she always just let me figure it out. Like let me be me. So I really tried to, my son's name is Kaleo, like allow that same thing for him because sometimes I'm like, oh, geez, what are you doing? You know, and then I think about the things I did as a kid, and yeah. it's, it's all part of the process. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but it's so different now too with like social media and like what they're doing. Like, I just found out that teenagers can have different accounts and like have all these different ways of communicating with people. Like, you know, she before she she was even here for a month, she had already like gone out on a date with somebody, and I'm like, look, I'm totally oblivious. I'm like, how did you? Tinder. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Everybody, my brothers met both of their girlfriends on Tinder. It's like the thing. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, and I'm like, look, it's great. You know, I have friends that are on it. Like, I have clients I work with that, that do it. And I'm, I'm not knocking it. But all I'm saying is, you know, I'm like, being a parent, I'm not a parent. But, like, it's just something to, you know, it, it puts your, your alert on high alert when all of a sudden you're little teenage sister is like hey I'm gonna go wherever and I'm like wait what <laughs> like you just moved here you don't have a driver's license you don't have a job you haven't registered for school yet like what do you mean you're going out on a date I'm confused yeah you know she's going to college now she's going to Santa Monica so oh, college good. but good. um yeah like it's kind of settled in now but yeah like those moments it's just so interesting to I don't know. I mean, like, I guess to be responsible for another person, to guide another person to hopefully make the right decisions. And like, so I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. Like Tori and I talk about this all the time, you know, because you can see kids' personalities when they're little, right? And, and you, you also, you know, can see how parents will affect children and how they act or don't react. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's like the quote unquote helicopter mom that will like, you know, be constantly like everything is like taken away from the child and like they're very like guarded and, you know, in a a way I can, you know, totally see myself being that kind of parent. But then also, (laughs) you know, the other parent that's just like whatever, like free flowing. But I think that a a child is going to be who they are. Like I feel like a kid is just comes into this world like already having that personality or like just being who they're gonna be and like yeah those factors can affect that but I don't know yeah. you know yeah I mean nature I think, yeah. versus nurture I guess yeah like what what do you think about that yeah I mean I think my son's definitely like at the core he's always been a little angel <laughs> but um there's definitely certain circumstances uh, that were out of my control, like how he grew up that have affected him, Yeah, you know, positive or negative. And, and that too, I have to remember that that is part of his journey, you know, yeah. like w- we were talking about the rheumatoid arthritis. I got yeah. diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when he was, um, just turning four. So he had to grow up. Like, I think my nature was to be a helicopter mom breastfed him till he was four. I mean, we did everything together. I was very hands-on. And then when I got really sick, I didn't walk for almost a year. I mean, I couldn't bend my arms. 
until about four o'clock in the afternoon. So he had to learn how to tie his shoes, open up his apple juice, get the food out of the fridge at four. You know what I mean? I'm a single mother. So I had friends helping. My mom would help. Um, But things that he might not have learned until he was a little older. So he's very independent, which I love that about him now. Like he can go anywhere, any crowd, group of people. I could drop him off and know he is good. Like he doesn't even turn around. He's like, peace, ma, I got it. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's actually a blessing, you know. I don't know if he would have been like that if if you if you had been there to like take care of everything Mm -hmm. for him. Yeah. Wow, that's really great. Yeah. That's. I mean, I think so. I mean, like you can't look and and look back and think, oh, I wish things could have been done because it was it it was what it had to be at that moment. Yeah. Right. So. You know, we were talking about uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and I was just telling Jesse how. Both, both my parents on both sides have been diagnosed with, with RA. And it's been something that, you know, my whole family and both my parents are like, you have to, you know, make sure that you, you're checking and you're going to the doctor and like take whatever precautions you need to take, you know. And I, I remember when I turned uh, 27, you know, the doctor was already trying to put me on medication and stuff. And oh, geez. yeah, and I, I mean, right then, I mean, I knew initially, I'm like, I think I'm okay. Like, I, I don't want to start to do anything until like, I start to like, you know, show signs of, okay, like I, I can't move or like, yeah. this is really painful. So have you been tested for the RA So I factor? haven't, I no. haven't been tested yet. Um, because it's one of those things psychologically too. I'm just like, I'm just going to continue and, and know that that's my disposition and I'm just going to continue to be healthy and live a healthy life until I'm starting to notice those things like now. Like, so I just turned 34 last week and yay. <laughs> and so just now we were just talking about this, but you know, now my body's starting to like you know, do those things where it's, it's getting a little bit more challenging to like move in the morning. It's like, and it's not going away. Like normally in the morning, it's like, oh, I'm moving. And then once I move, my body's like better. Like I could go, like I could go to the gym or I can go take, you know, spin class and right. it's good. But like, you know, the last couple months I've noticed and I'm also on the road. So I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe it's traveling and I'm sitting a lot. And look, all those things can be a factor, but I've definitely noticed a difference. You know, and like I know my body, like in my hands, like, mm-hmm. you know, they start to like get crampy or they start to feel like I can't hold things. I don't have any like strength in my hands. And so, you know, I, I know that that's going to be something I'm going to have to address, you know, and, and I know that this is something that you've addressed a lot of. And so I wanted to talk to you about it and just to kind of hear your experience and your story and how you've been able to, you know, still have this incredible healthy life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're so aware of it because you had you have family members yeah. unfortunately that have it. I didn't even know what it was when I got diagnosed and I got I th- I was misdiagnosed for years. God knows how long because I grew up as a ballerina and as a ballerina, my mom had a dance studio for 46 years. You were trained to fight through the pain. And it was normal for me to not feel like I could walk every day. Yeah. It was like I was just conditioned. Oh, I feel horrible. This is like normal. Yeah. I didn't really have a good, um, you know, uh, normal, like, oh, this is not normal, actually. 
But after I had my son, uh, when he was about three and a half, almost four, was when I started noticing really weird things, like knuckles were black and blue, stuff that didn't make sense. I'm like, did I hit a wall or something when I was sleeping? Like, what was going on? And then the biggest thing, which I also let go, I was exhausted. But I was exhausted after 10 hours of sleep, but I was also breastfeeding a toddler. So I thought, oh, that's why I'm tired, you know? So I went undiagnosed for a really long time, and then when I finally got diagnosed, man, that was humbling. That was so humbling because up until that point, I was 29, I really felt bulletproof, like nothing anybody could tell me I couldn't fix or fight through it. And this was actually the opposite. I couldn't fight through it. I actually had to take it back a notch. <laughs> Which <laughs> or I'm ten. sure is incredibly difficult for somebody that's used to like going, going, going. You're a single parent. Like you have this training. Like you're just like a doer. Yes. Yes. This was. This is one of my favorite stories about RA because it's just it's just really the epitome of the disease and how humbling it was. I had just signed up to do my yoga teacher training at Yoga Works. And I think a week into it is when I got diagnosed. And it happened rapidly. Like, I went from hiding the disease to barely shuffling into the studio. And I walked into that teacher training day one with my ego. As a ballerina, I can do scorpion. I could stand on my hands. I got this. Just give me my stamp of approval. Literally, that's how I, I was just thinking. I was modeling at the time. Yoga clothing lines were just starting to take off. And I just wanted to get my stamp of approval to make me official so I could do all this. So I went in there with this attitude. A week later, I got diagnosed. I crumbled. My body started giving out. Of course, I spoke with my teachers, basically asking them if I could remain in the teacher training. As long, and they said, of course, as long as you are here, even if you're not physically able to do the asana, so I had many breakdowns, which is normal anyways. Of course, anytime you're in a teacher training, <laughs> yeah, it's yes, like it's going to happen. Safe place, uh -huh. breaking down. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what was really interesting in the blessing in disguise was I learned so much more through that teacher training, not being able to rely on the physical asana that I had always relied on my entire life. I had to get comfortable sitting. I had to get comfortable tuning in and learning the Sanskrit and all the philosophy behind the, the asana, which I had always, I have always relied on moving my body. So in that yoga teacher training was, was when I really, it was really part of my healing process, it still is. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it just seems like everything, like, happened exactly the way it needed to happen. So how did your life change after that and after your, your teacher training? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my life completely changed after I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And the teacher, going through the teacher training really helped me notice the patterns that had, I feel like, gotten me to that place. And that was the pushing through, ignoring the symptoms, ignoring signals of my body telling me, hey, maybe you should chill for a little bit. <laughs> You know, yeah. so the yoga practice really helped me um, tune in and check in with myself. And, um, you know, a lot of my healing and it continues to be is noticing the patterns, you know, the, the mental 
things that I tell myself, um, you know, positive words, positive thinking, all of these things. So I'm constantly checking in with myself. Like I, I have to, it's really interesting how I love how this whole like meditation thing is becoming more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's really interesting when people say, do you meditate or do this? I'm like, it's like breathing to me. If I don't have that alone time to tune in, I am like wackadoodle, you know? <laughs> so I have to. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of a good uh, segue for us to just kind of talk about how, uh, you know, being a teacher and being somebody who obviously you believe in the practice and you're a yoga teacher and you know the depth of this practice and how healing it can be. Um, one of the things that I've been sort of encountering with people, you know, on this tour that I've been is a lot of people are getting more curious about the deeper dimension of yoga. They're getting more curious that you know, maybe something that they were attracted to on a physical level can provide something more. So you mentioned how during this time you were able to immerse yourself deeper into, into that dimension. I'm curious what your thoughts are on uh, people that are more curious about what that deeper level is that maybe are listening to this podcast for the first time and don't don't know how yoga as a philosophy can really help bring more joy into their life or more peace or just, you know, more uh, self-mastery. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer that everything that is done on the mat translates into your life. So it's, um, you know, the tools that I always come back to that I talk to in my book. It's the breath, the focus, the mantra, the intention that obviously can be used outside of the yoga classroom, but you practice it every single day in the yoga classroom. So when you're in a difficult position or you're in a difficult moment in your life, a lot of us tend to stop breathing, we can't focus, we're thinking negative thoughts. So we have to like retrain our brain. Focus, positive thoughts, what's your mantra? And then breathe and find contentment in that pose. Like, I remember when I first started practicing yoga, I had this amazing teacher, Kara Price. I'm going to give her a shout out. She was one of the original <laughs> like yoga works in Beverly Hills. There used to be a yoga works in Beverly Hills. She was so amazing, but she would have us sit in warrior two pose, which is one of my favorite poses because a beginner student can do warrior two, but it can take you to a place where you are crying to baby Jesus. <laughs> You know, it can, if you sit in that pose long enough, you will start going deep. And she used to keep us in that pose so long where I would want, I would get, my brain would go, I was so uncomfortable. And I remember having this moment of surrender where I surrendered in that pose and everything made sense and I was content. I wasn't thinking about my leg hurting or getting out of the pose. I was in that present moment. And that's, that's the beauty of yoga, is if you keep going, it will bring you to the present moment. And then that will translate into your life. That's, that's the hope, you know? Yeah. Uh, talking about the golden secrets, Jesse just has a book out, and I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at it right now, mm -hmm. and I want her to tell us all about it. Like, what inspired you to write this book? So the original inspiration was when I um, 
somewhat cured myself. I call it thriving with rheumatoid arthritis because I still have it and I still have signs and symptoms, but I choose to thrive. I started a blog like seven years ago because um, after I recovered, I started doing tons of uh, modeling work. All the companies were just happening, you know, Al I mean, Aloe, of course, but like Reebok, Nike. I was on the cover of New York Times for doing yoga. Like yoga was just getting really cool and hip. And um, I was getting all these emails of people asking me, what did you do? How did you get rid of rheumatoid arthritis? You know, so I started writing a blog because I couldn't respond to everyone's emails. And the blog turned into um, yoga and beauty and spirituality and mm -hmm. parenting and yeah. basically any, you know, my last name is Golden. So any golden secret that I thought was valuable and that really helped me, I wanted to share with people. And then I started writing this book just a little bit. And then I finally dove into it about two years ago. And it's literally everything that has ever helped me in my life is in this book. And um, what I really love about it is because I've had rheumatoid arthritis for eight years, nine years now, um, I've kind of been a guinea pig more than most people. I mean, I've had people from Mexico come with healing clay. I've done blind shiatsu guys. I mean, I've done, Everything. you name it. I was like, yes, I'll do it. Um, so because I've really tried everything, all of that information is in here too. And stuff that you might not hear about, like even the savvy health, you know, person, like there's, which I love, there's so many recipes and smoothie things happening readily available to anybody nowadays. But in here I have like healing macrobiotic recipes, things that you might not necessarily hear so much about. Hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. And there's... Uh, are there practices in here that yes, we can do? Yes, my yoga sequence is in there, which it's not a typical yoga sequence. It comes from some of the principles of ballet and just regular calisthenics, um, but it's a little flow. I like to, uh, it, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Tibetan rites. Yes. Yes, so it's kind of like, I wanted to make it something like that where it's something people can do several times a week from home, and it really works their entire body. And there's also reflection pages. I was just going to ask about the reflection pages. So tell yeah. us about the reflection pages. It kind of happened on accident, honestly, because of the, the way that the format was happening. And I was like, you know what? This might be a really cool idea um, to have reflection pages where after I talk about diet or I talk about whatever the chapter is, ask you personal questions like, what is your blood type? What is your dosha? Ask you questions so you can kind of work through um, your personal, you know, because that's what it is. Like I can, anybody can offer us, you know, secrets and tools, but you really have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. So that, yeah. what works for me might not work for you. And this is kind of like a workbook for you to figure out what it is going to, you know, what is going to work for you. Yeah. And it's, it's called The Golden Secrets to Optimal Health, Revealing a Holistic, Unconventional Guide to Feeling and Looking Your Best for You, keyword, mm -hmm. you, your family, and the environment. So tell, tell us how this will help in, in our family and our environment. Obviously, when we feel good, the ones around us feel good. But is there any like thing in particular that you give us advice to do to 
create a better environment for ourselves like what if we're the only healthy ones in our household and like the other people are bringing pizza home yes I mean this is really challenging not that pizza's bad I'm just saying (laughs) yes just I'm asking for a friend yes I I mean this is a huge deal because I have a teenager (laughs) who like I mean I don't even is the biggest meat eater yeah it's he we're exactly the opposite it's really interesting and this is part of you know, okay, this is his journey. I'm hoping that someday all my wisdom is just going to like explode in his brain and he's going to have a reality check. I'm like, did you read my book yet? That's so amazing. Yeah, I'm such a dork. I, no, it's so funny. No, I say that to my little sister all the time. I'm like, are you listening to the podcast yeah. at all? Or? You have it like playing in yeah. her room. No. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like I've always been, I, I know for me personally, you can't, shove anything down my throat. I have to find it out myself. So I just try and lead by example and, um, you know, slowly encourage people like, let's watch this documentary, (laughs) you know, um, and just being mindful. But I love using the environment as an excuse to get people to be healthy. I even say that in my book, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for the environment, Mm. you know, because animal eating meat is one of the is the biggest greenhouse gas emissions more than cars so I try and you know give people other ideas and I mean now I'm on this whole meat thing but like you don't have to cut it out entirely but do the plant-based foods that you already eat and then if you're at your friend's house or if your mom wants to make something you know then go ahead and do that but we just need to reverse what we've been doing for so long and that's like meat and a side of veggies we need to do like the veggies veggies and and like a tiny bit of meat to like add flavor or if you know if that's what your body needs um so I think just leading by example I feel like you know our our family is are definitely our hardest critics and I think they they for me they encourage me coming from Chicago everyone was very conservative and um and slowly but surely, I see them turning leaves, and I'm like, oh, I get so excited. That's yeah. amazing. That's great when you're able to actually see the evolution of the people around you to become more interested in yes. you know, different things. Like there was a, a a particular author that I was interviewing, and. I had uh, the little one read it to just give me some notes, and then this particular, the same author. Uh, wrote another book and she ordered it like she got it on her own she liked it so much that I'm like yes I'm like more of this please and I can say that because she's definitely not listening to this podcast (laughs) I can totally air her her laundry out so I want to be respectful of your time I have a couple more questions um, to ask you and and this in particular to um, just our yoga community at large right now um, through traveling the U.S. Something that I've been kind of noticing, you know, aside from the fact that people want to deepen their practice, there's also there's also a little bit of the um, connect connection element missing. I feel like we don't go to yoga studio anymore. Like we we kind of are like doing more of self practice. I mean, I think I, I get asked this a lot about social media in general because it's just such a interesting time that we're in and I always try and focus on the positive side of things and for me when people kind of say oh you know social media has turned yoga into a circus or you know they say negative things 
I, I first of all, I personally have, am probably responsible for a lot of that circus. <laughs> but my my whole thing behind it is behind the scenes, all the emails and the messages I've gotten, where I was in some crazy pose practicing at home, and I wrote some kind of quote from my ungar or something. And somebody says, you know what? You inspired me to go to my first yoga class. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't care if I got to stand on my head with my legs behind my head and do all this crazy stuff to get your attention. If it gets people to practice, the more people are practicing, the reason yoga is what it is right now, I believe, has a lot to do with social media. Yeah. You know, everybody is finding yoga interesting, whether they're practitioners, they're going to school, they're learning on their own mm -hmm. at home. People are sharing, and uh, I mean, I think it's great. Yeah, you know? and, I, and it definitely, I think, is going to add to the element of making it more accessible for people that would otherwise not feel like it's accessible to them, or they maybe feel like, oh, well, you know, I... It's just something that I'm not interested in trying or like my friends aren't doing it or my friends would make fun of me for doing it. You know, I, I remember talking to, uh, you know, my little sister about it years ago. You know, I was asking her, you know, she practiced with me. You know, she's yeah. like, you know, was was practicing. Uh, she's been, she's uh, visited me when I was leading a teacher training before. Like, so she's she kind of she knows a lot, you know, and my question to her was always why don't, why don't you practice? And she's like, oh, my friends would like, my friends don't get it. They, they're not into it. But now this was years ago. And now she's like, all her friends are into it now. They think it's really cool. And I'm like, I don't care if it's because they saw it on social media and now they're like all about it. Great. I think that part of what, I think that part of what yoga is, is it's about union. I mean, that's what the word means, mm -hmm. right? So I think that the minute that people start to be judgmental or have opinions yes. about what yoga should be or who is a yogi and who's not a yogi, I feel like that you're already, you're putting somebody in a box and you're already closing yourself off to that unification, you know? Yeah, so I, I can agree more. Right? So it's like, there's room for all of it. Where's this lack mentality coming into? And I say that because I've had you know, messages on, on social media, or like I've had emails, people contacting me about this, this podcast and how, you know, I may not be addressing the topics they want me to address, or maybe they feel like I'm not a real yogi because I have people that have self-development background. Like I interviewed Simon Sinek, who's like one of my ultimate favorite heroes. I mean, he's got like the top three TED talk in the world you know, and he's inspiring, you know, he, he's a very inspirational person to me in my life. And I'm very clear about the people that I have on this podcast and the topics I talk about. And if people don't want to listen, they don't have to listen, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I just find it fascinating that, that people are, um, extremely closed minded and opinionated. And I have no problem with people having opinions. I have opinions too. You may not agree with them. That's okay. You know, um, but I just, I, I find it a little bit hypocritical for people in, in our, our yoga community to say who and who isn't a yogi. Like that really bothers yes, me. Yes, that's very true. Right? Yeah. And, and I really feel like that's, that's definitely coming from, from somewhere. And I think that 
the people out there who really are opinionated about that really need to, to sit with that and, and unravel it and see where that's coming from, you know, because I feel like the more the merry, look, there, there is a fast moving train and that fast moving train is called yoga and the commercialization of it and the exposure of it. Great. Get into it or don't. Yeah. It's very simple. Like we have choice don't resist what is happening. What's happening is happening. You're either going to evolve with it or you're not. Yeah. That's you know? Right. Yeah. Don't get me started. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my opinion. That's how I feel about it. And, you know, a lot of the people I work with or my students, they all know how, how I feel about it. So, and I'm very vocal on the podcast and maybe it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times, but I don't care. So, I mean, I care, but not like that. Yeah. Not enough to change it because somebody else has a strong opinion everybody's got opinions you know yeah about everything just keep it moving that's what I'm <laughs> saying. it's like just stay on my big thing is just like just stay on your lane you know like just just stay on your lane yeah. you know it's your practice just like you say in this book like what whatever it's going to be it's going to be for you mm-hmm. and and the more that we can get into that idea of self-agency and, and, and self-awareness, the better we'll be together as a community. We'll be more like-minded. We'll be able to work together more. We'll be able to like lift each other up yes. as a community, not like, oh, this person, yes, this person, no. Let's, you know, uh, fragment it and tear it all down. Like that, I've never understood that, you know. I don't come from that type of mindset, so... All right, now I'll really stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so Jesse's like, I just came over to have some tea with you, and like we're really going for no, it. No, girl, I'm there. I can, we can do a whole like series on that. What area in your life do you feel the most free? Free. Free. You know what? Interesting enough, which now that I'm second guessing myself. The areas I feel most free, I'm going to switch it up, which they kind of go hand in hand. All right. But it's, it's, uh, I, I was thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to tell you. I was thinking motherhood originally. Okay. Because it's, motherhood for me was the most primal, organic thing I've ever experienced. Like, you, once you give birth, you're just like, oh. And it's like your mother instinct is maybe it's because I eat the placenta. (laughs) (laughs) Before we started talking, we were talking about placenta eating side note, everyone. Yeah. Um, But now that I'm thinking about it, because I am a little out of water right now raising a teenager, a boy. So I think just like womanhood in generally, sisterhood, womanhood, like, you know, the whole goddess vibe that I love so much and kind of what you were talking about. Um, cause I feel like it's the, the whole yoga community is definitely dominated by women, which is so rad to me right now because originally men practiced yoga. That's right. So that's a whole nother thing. But I love this whole womanhood, own it, you know, self-love goddess vibe thing going on, you know, and that's where I feel the most free. I mean, I love being half naked and doing yoga. I think it's the most empowering thing in the world, you know, and some people have other opinions, but for me, that is where I feel the most free. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, that's power, you know, and I think that it's important for us to be able to feel that however we feel it, 
you know, and because I think that it's, it translates, you know, like, I think it really comes through, you know, um, what advice would you give your 15 year old self? Mm. Don't be so stubborn. I'm very stubborn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little okay. stubborn. A little bit? Okay. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Most people might say I'm more stubborn. <laughs> it's interesting, though, with only certain things. Like, when I... I'm very fluid if I don't know a lot of things. But if I've taken the time and I've studied it and I've sat with myself and I've made an opinion about something, oh, like yeah. natural childbirth, yeah. guess what? You're not, nothing you say is going to change my mind. If I've already made up my mind about having a baby at home, that's what I'm doing. You know, so I think some people, I'm just very strong in my, my um, decisions. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, sure, what do you, like, I'll listen. But if I, once I make that decision, that's done. That's it. Yeah. All right, that's good. <laughs> what advice would your 80-year-old self tell you now? Oh, geez. Probably, I'm thinking, um, I'm not as social as I would like to be. Mm. In nature, I'm very introverted, and I could be totally content up in a treehouse alone <laughs> for days. <laughs> so... Um, talking about the union and the community, sometimes I see things on social media and I'm like, I wish I would have gone to that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, is, it is something that I... Because whenever I do do it, I do feel great. Um, maybe it's because I don't get that much alone time being mm-hmm. a single mother and working so much. So, um, yeah, if I was in my 80-year-old self, I would say go out, have more fun with socialize. Yeah. That's good. I love yeah. that. <laughs> what is there? Do you have any like words of wisdom that you live by? Like some sort of mantra or some sort of like philosophical ethos that you are. What is it? I got a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the Sagittarius. We're the archer. Oh, okay. You're like Tori. He oh, really? The same. Oh, yes. he's going to love this then. <laughs> this is a good story. It's a story about a Sagittarius. so this man was walking through the woods and he saw all these bullseye all these targets with the arrow in the bullseye so like a half a dozen of them and he finally came across the archer and he said how did you get a bullseye in every single target and the archer said easy I put the arrow in the tree and I painted the target around it so it's the epitome of a Sagittarius. We're supposedly the most optimistic of the sign, but that's really how I've lived my life. Like no matter what cards I've been dealt, I survive and thrive by always looking at the positive. I will make it a bullseye. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is so powerful. Like that is that is awesome. Thank you. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I may have to be changing mine up. Every time like I hear it's so cool to like hear people's like, you know, phil- philosophies or their like driver, you know. I-, I love that. I think it's so great. So in closing, which I don't want to close, but again, <laughs> you gotta be mindful of the time. I created Radically Loved 
I created the podcast uh, Radically Loved to have a forum of like-minded individuals to come and, and talk about the things that they love or they're inspired by or just creatives, um, yogis, non-yogis, just people that have inspired me, people I look up to or people that I feel we share the same wavelength, right? So the idea is that the universe works for us and not against us, right? So whatever it is that you believe, whether you believe in God or baby Krishna or baby Buddha, like whatever it is that you believe, we are supported. Um, so the questions, there's two questions. So the first one is, how do you feel radically loved? How do you feel that radical love supporting you in your life? And the second part is, what do you radically love? Ooh. These are good ones, girl. <laughs> okay, so I went through this whole love concept. I went through a divorce a couple of years ago, and it was really the first time that I was felt this whole love thing on like a really high level where I cared. And somebody told me, I don't remember if somebody told me or I read it somewhere, but it really talked about how love is energy and it's everywhere. And that has really stayed with me. So I always remind myself that I am love, you are love, everybody around me is love. So it can't be gone, you know, it's, it's energy. So I forgot what you asked me because I'm going on a tangent. No, How that so makes good. sense to what you're saying. Because it's, it's like, it, and it totally makes sense because I'm saying like, how do you feel that radical love? Like, how do you feel radically loved? How do you feel supported by that force that you're talking about? Yes. And you're pretty much answering the question, yes. you know. It's everywhere. Yeah. I re yeah, I just, I, I just feel, you tune into it. You know, I feel love all the time, even if I am at home by myself. I feel it. I feel the energy. I'm really sensitive to it. And um, who do I radically love? Is that what I you said? I said what, but oh, what? it's so interesting <laughs> when people hear that because sometimes it's, I like to kind of just leave it open yeah, and it's interesting funny. sometimes people go straight to the who instead of like the what, right? So it's like, if I can say, I usually ask like, you know, how do you feel radically loved? And what do you radically love? And what can be a person or it can be like, you know, a, a, a thing, you know? Yes. Um, but it's interesting when people, when people, that's why I ask them together because it's, it's kind of neat for me to kind of just see where, because it's really the question is, and everyone listening will finally get to understand why, I ask that question at the end because to me it's all it's all the same. You know, it's yeah. like it just love is love regardless whether you feel it or you're giving it. Yes. It's coming from the same place in my in my humble opinion. So when when we're asked these questions and even you the listener asking yourself like how do you feel that radical love and what or who do you radically love? It just puts us in that same energetic frequency. So saying that, who or what do you <laughs> radically love? Well, obviously my son comes to mind, <laughs> like, you know, because that's on another level. I always, you know, it's really true. Like your heart is outside of your body for the rest of your life. So wow. that's really kind of uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> super uncomfortable like can you just go back in the belly so I could just like chill um 
But you know what, what I really love? And I don't know why this came to me, but I just love like, like talk about old people that have been through stuff or that have really cool stories or people that have just been through things and still decide to have a smile on their face. Those people like, ah, I get so high around, you know? Like the grace that that generation or that people that have lived a good life, like, and you know, have had experiences like, you know. Yes. I love that. I love that. How can people connect with you? People listening, where can they go? Where can they get more information? Well, first I want to say thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. And thank you for your voice. We are so grateful for you. So, um, and I'm so grateful for social media because I think that's how we found each Each other. other. So that's where people can usually find me. I post every day, current. And I'm doing a huge, oh no, that's not going to happen. But my book is out right now. And... um, what else? Yeah, Jesse Golden, J-E-S-S-E, Golden. Yeah, and so, and we will have, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher or Google Play, on the info, if you click the info, all the links to Jesse will be on there. So where you can buy her book, all her social media handles, everything's there. So just click the info button or the show notes button, and you can go straight to all of her things and get more golden secrets in your life amazing (laughs) um thank you all for listening and jesse thank you for being here thank you so much hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at rosie acosta or on twitter at rosie acosta subscribe on itunes write a review We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.